0: This next one will be a longer one. It's chapter 64 on ankle instability from ACSM Review. So ankle sprain. Ankle sprain is a tear of the ligaments supporting the ankle joint, and they are common. About 25% all sports injuries. Plenty in basketball and soccer. Age of 10 to 19 years old, associated with higher rates of ankle sprain, nearly half all ankle sprains occur during athletic activity with basketball, football, and soccer, being associated with highest percentage of ankle sprains in sports. Let's talk anatomy. Ankle, or the talocrural joint, consists of the talus, tibial plafond, the medial malleolus, and lateral malleolus, which is part of the fibula. Distal tibia and lateral malleolus form a mortis in which the talus sits. The talus is wider anteriorly than posterior thus resulting in a tighter fit and more stable articulation between the talus and mortis during ankle dorsiflexion, hence limited range of motion dorsiflexion. Ankle joint stability depends on joint congruency in supporting ligamentous structures, and the lateral ankle ligaments are ATFL or anterior talofibular ligament, calcaneofibular ligament, CFL, and posterior talofibular ligament, PTFL. The medial ankle ligaments are the deep and superficial portions of the deltoid ligament. Relative strengths of the ankle, from weakest to strongest, are ATFL, CFL, PTFL, and deltoid. So just think alphabetically. The syndesmotic ligaments connect and stabilize the distal fibula to the distal tibia. The syndesmotic ligaments are the anterior tibiofibular ligament, posterior tibiofibular ligament, transverse tibiofibular ligament, interosseous ligament, and interosseous membrane. The subtalar, or talocalcaneal joint, lies inferior to the ankle joint and is responsible for hindfoot inversion and eversion. Up to 50% of clinical ankle inversion occurs at the subtalar joint. So let's speak of mechanics now. Ankle is a hinge joint, permits flexion, extension, and rotation. The talus externally rotates with ankle dorsiflexion and internally rotates during plantar flexion. The distal fibula externally rotates during ankle dorsiflexion and moves distally during weight-bearing, thus deepening the stabilizing ankle mortise. The ankle mortise widens with ankle dorsiflexion and with weight-bearing. The ATFL and CFL act synergistically to resist ankle inversion forces, and the ATFL resists ankle inversion and plantar flexion, and the CFL resists ankle inversion during ankle dorsiflexion. The CFL spans both the lateral ankle joint and lateral subtalar joint, thus contributing to both ankle and subtalar joint stability. The PTFL limits posterior tailor displacement and external rotation. The deltoid ligament resists ankle eversion, external rotation, and plantar flexion. In cases of a distal fibular fracture and mortise instability, it restrains lateral tailor translations. So Injury mechanisms. The most commonly sprained ankle ligament ATFL followed by CFL and then PTFL alphabetical again. An isolated CFL or PTFL tear is rare and tear of the ATFL almost always precedes CFL. It is almost always torn first. The CFL and PTFL are torn 50 to 75 percent of the time and the PTFL is torn in less than 10 percent of ankle sprains. Lateral ankle sprains occur as a result of landing on a plantar flexed inverted foot and these occur while running on uneven terrain stepping in a hole on another athlete's foot during play or landing from a jump unbalanced a syndesmotic ankle sprain or high ankle sprain occurs as a result of forced external rotation of a dorsiflexed foot or during internal rotation of the tibia on a fixed planted foot a common mechanism is a direct blow to the back of the ankle while the patient's lying prone with the foot externally rotated Isolated deltoid ligament sprains are rare and are usually accompanied by a lateral malleolar fracture and or syndesmotic injury. The deltoid ligament is injured through a mechanism of external rotation or eversion. So, Injury prevention. A balanced training program has been shown to reduce the rate of ankle sprains in high school soccer and basketball players by one-third to one-half. Studies are mixed regarding efficacy of prophylactic bracing. Retrospective study of female college volleyball players who wore bilateral double upright padded ankle braces showed 93% reduction in ankle sprain incidence compared to overall ankle injury rate in NCAA. Prospective study of high school volleyball players found that ankle bracing did not overall decrease incidence of sprains except those who had a previous sprain. So it looks like it's more helpful for secondary prevention rather than primary. Ligament pathophys. Ligamentous injuries undergo a series of phases during healing process, including hemorrhage and inflammation first, fibroblastic proliferation, collagen protein formation, and then collagen maturation. Early mobilization of the joints following ligamentous injury actually stimulates collagen bundle orientation and promotes healing, although full ligamentous strength is not reestablished for several months. Early treatment focuses on limiting the soft tissue effusion, speeds the healing process by lessening the amount of extracellular fluid and hematoma to be reabsorbed. Now let's talk about physical exam. Lateral ankle swelling, ecchymosis are present and proportional to a degree of ligament damage. Careful one-finger palpation is essential to find tenderness and avoid misdiagnosis of fractures or tendon ruptures. Common fractures that mimic ankle sprains are fractures of the lateral malleolus and medial malleolus, fifth metatarsal base, anterior process of the calcaneus, Lateral process of the talus, posterior tailor process, tailor dome, and navicular. Commonly missed tendon injuries are the Achilles ruptures, perineal tendon tears, perineal tendon subluxation slash dislocation, posterior tibial tendon injuries, anterior tibial tendon tears, and flexor hallucis longus tendon ruptures. Careful neuro exam is essential to rule out loss of sensation or weakness, because perineal nerve and tib- and tibial nerve injuries are sometimes seen with severe lateral ankle sprains. So, diagnostic tests. So, first we've got the anterior drawer test, which tests ATFL. And you stabilize the anterior tibia just above the ankle with one hand, grasp posterior with the other, and apply anterior directed force. Therefore, attempting to translate talus anteriorly. Should be performed on a relaxed leg with the knee bent and the angle held in slight plantar flexion. Normal anterior translations less than 5 millimeters. Contralateral asymptomatic ankle should be tested for a baseline. Next, we've got an inversion stress test with a tailored tilt, which tests ATFL and CFL. By grasping the heel, inverting the ankle, clunk may be heard or palpated as the medial talar dome impacts distal tibial medial articular surface, indicating injury to one or both ligaments. This should be performed with the ankle on both dorsiflexion for CFL and plantar flexion for ATFL. So, again, for everything, ATFL, think plantar flexion. If you want to test CFL, think dorsiflexion. Suction sign Test the integrity of the ATFL as well. During anterior drawer tests, unstable ankle produces a dimple in the anterior lateral ankle as the talus reaches full anterior excursion. Dimple is formed by a negative pressure with an ankle joint. So that's a suction sign. Squeeze test tests the syndesmotic ligaments and you place the fingers over the proximal half of the, fib, the fibula and thumb around the tibia, squeezing two bones together pain distal ankle may indicate syndesmotic injury extra rotation stress test also tests syndesmotic ligaments performed in a seated patient by externally rotating the foot while stabilizing tibia with the other hand medial ankle pain or lateral taylor motion indicates syndesmotic injury may be present Confirmatory AP and lateral external rotation stress radiographs will document widening of the syndesmosis and lateral tailor subluxation. So, imaging. Every sprained ankle does not require x rays. AP lateral and oblique radiographs should be obtained, though, if the following are present lateral or medial malleolar bone tenderness, specifically posterior, or if they can't bear weight for four steps, both immediately after injury and in the ED. Ottawa Ankle Rules does not apply in the following settings. If they are less than 18 years of age, if they have multiple painful injuries, if they're pregnant, or diminished sensation due to a neurologic deficit. These have been found to be 100% sensitive for detecting fracture. So make sure make sure that you don't miss any, basically. could still not pick it up, but... Um, If radiographs are warranted, should be examined closely for fractures that may mimic ankle sprains. Medial lateral malleolus, talar dome, posterior mouth, posterior tailor process, lateral tailor process, anterior calcaneal process, flake fracture, navicular fracture, widening of the medial clear space between medial talar facet and medial malleolus. Stress radiographs are not required to make a diagnosis of an acute ankle sprain, but they're used to document mechanical instability as a cause of chronic lateral ankle instability symptoms. Can be done with or without the injection of local anesthetic in the lateral ankle. You can inject 5 cc's 1% lidocaine into the interlateral ankle. May yield a more reliable test. So once you inject, you can do the tailored tilt. Take an anterior, posterior, or mortise view of the ankle while performing inversion stress test on the slightly plantar flexed ankle. The tailored tilt angle is obtained by measuring the angle so. Sub- tended by a line parallel to the distal tibial articular surface and a line drawn along the superior articular surface of the talus. Most authors agree a difference of 5 to 15 degrees in tailor tilt um, is diagnostic. can do anterior drawer stress radiographs by taking lateral radiograph of the ankle while attempting to translate the talus anteriorly within the mortise. Anterior drawers measure as short as distance between a point on the posterior aspect of the distal tibial articular surface. And if it's greater than 3 millimeters, thought to be ATFL laxity. Again, why would you do that? I don't know. Stress radiographs for syndesmotic instability, mortise stress radiograph of ankle syndesmosis by doing an external rotation force on the ankle while stabilizing proximal tibia. Abnormal widening indicates syndesmotic instability. MRI is not needed for diagnosis in acute setting of occult fractures or tendon injury. Uh, MRI most useful for chronically sprained ankle and tailored dome injuries, peroneal tendon tears, bone bruises, OCL, um, OCLs, that kind of thing. CT scans also not needed but can be valuable for bone or joint pathology. So grading of ankle sprains helps to guide treatment, rehab, and prognosis. And based on the number of ligaments injured, the degree of tearing, and the swelling and ecchymosis, the West Point ankle Grading System is useful for this. So, stage one, you're going to have localized, very slight ecchymosis or edema. You're going to be full or partial without significant pain with weight-bearing. You're going to have a ligament stretch on pathology. No instability testing. And they can return in usually about 11 days. Stage 2 is going to be moderate on the swelling. Can't really weight bear without crutches. uh, But it's going to be tough. They have partial tears on ligaments. No instability. But 2 to 6 weeks to return. And then stage 3 is going to be significant swelling. Impossible to weight bear. You have complete tear of the ligament, definite instability testing. They're going to be out four to 26 weeks. So, grade three could be a while, but at least four weeks. So, initial treatment for an ankle sprain, price therapy, protection, rest, ice compression, elevation. So, protection with taping, lace of splint, thermoplastic ankle, stirrup splint, orthosis, or even a short cast. Early protected range of motion, however, in a flexible or semi-rigid orthosis is superior to rigid cast immobilization. Protected weight-bearing in an orth- in an orthosis is allowed with weight-bearing to tolerance as soon as possible, because crutches are used until pain-free weight-bearing is achieved. So rest, interruption of training and running or jumping is essential, but the length of time depends on the of grade. Ice, um via bags cold whirlpool or compressive cuff can be used early use of cryotherapy enables patients to return to full activity quickly compression uh, through elastic bandage felt donut ace wrap and then elevation limits the amount of hematoin extra fluid accumulation on the ankle to speed ligamentous healing rehabilitation has five phases so first is the acute phase which is price therapy, limit effusion, pain and further injury. Subacute is next, and that's number 2. Focus on limiting pain, increasing pain-free range of motion, continued progression against re-injury, limiting loss of strength, isometrics and modalities to decrease pain and effusion. Third is rehabilitative which focuses on full pain-free range of motion with joint mobilization, stretching, strength, isotonic, and isokinetic exercises, and proprioceptive training. And then functional, stage four, on sport-specific exercise. And then five is prophylactics, so you're trying to prevent any recurrence of injury through strengthening, proprioceptive drills, eight-week proprioceptive training programs shown to reduce recurrence of ankle sprains, be cost-effective. So let's talk about treatment of high ankle sprains or a syndesmotic ligament injury. So it's also going to have price therapy. But if the mortise is not widened or fracture, protection in the form of short leg cast or brace for four weeks followed by PT. If there's diastasis between the distal fib and tib on x-ray, operative stabilization is required with a syndesmotic screw placed through the distal fibula and tibia. Most of these need surgery if there's widening. If there's no widening, short leg cast. Patients should be warned these injuries result in longer periods of disability than do lateral collateral ligaments. Heterotopic ossification of the distal syndesmosis has been reported in up to 25% of patients. though no correlation with ossification with functional outcome has been found. Non-surgical treatment results. Primary ligamentous repair has not been supported by studies comparing early surgery to functional treatment of ankle sprains. Um, Prospective study of 146 patients with grade 3 who were randomized operative and non-operative found that the group treated with an ankle orthosis returned to work faster. No difference in joint laxity found two years after injury. And then a second controlled study with grade 3 sprains randomized operative and non-op followed for about 14 years showed no difference in mean ankle score stability return to pre-injury level. Osteoarthritis is more common, though, in the operative group. So, try to do without surgery. Let's talk about chronic ankle pain and instability. So, pain versus instability. For residual symptoms following ankle sprain, initial workup should center on whether the patient's chief complaint is pain or instability. This dictates further workup on the different sides of the diagnostic algorithm, which we'll go through later. Chronic ankle pain. In a retrospective study, 457 patients treated with immobilization or bracing. 72% reported residual symptoms at 6 to 18 months. Common causes of chronic ankle pain are occult fractures, tendon tears, nerve injury, or ankle soft tissue impingement. MRI or bone scan is an excellent screening test to rule out occult fractures and to guide further treatment. If either test reveals an abnormality, Spot radiograph, or CT, is useful in further identifying the exact location of fracture. Occult or associated injuries to the tendons of the foot and ankle should also be considered. Physical exam is crucial in testing for tendon integrity, strength, or tendon swelling. MRI most useful to identify and confirm tendon injuries. Injury to the lateral ankle ligaments may produce scarring of the ATFL joint capsule, leaving the formation of meniscoid tissue in the anterolateral ankle. This inflamed tissue is pinched between the talus, fibula, and tibia, leading to a condition called anterolateral impingement. So again, injury prior to the lateral ankle ligaments can get scarring of the ATFL and the joint capsule. And it makes this meniscoid-type tissue in the anterolateral ankle. So scarring builds it up. That's then pinched between talus, fibula, and tibia, leads to anterolateral impingement. MRI has 70% accuracy for diagnosis of anterolateral soft tissue impingement. Distal fascicle of the anteroinferior tibiofibular ligament may abrade the anterolateral surface of the talus during ankle dorsiflexion during abnormal anterior translation of the talus. An anomalous or accessory perineal tendon may also cause chronic posterolateral ankle pain, and it is confirmed by MRI. Nerve injury can result due to traction on the nerve during an inversion sprain. EMG, two weeks after the ankle sprains with grade three, showed 86% injury of perineal nerve injury incidence. Though you should wait till six weeks anyway. Chronic ankle instability. If the primary problem is ankle instability, they will experience feelings of giving way on uneven ground, can't play cutting or jumping sports, loss of confidence in ankle support, braces and history of multiple ankle sprains. This should be evaluated with stress radiographs. If they are positive for mechanical mm-hmm. lateral ligamentous laxity, then surgery is indicated to reconstruct them. If stress radiographs disprove mechanical laxity of the lateral ankle ligaments, then they may have functional ankle instability rather than true. Functional is due to deficient neuromuscular control of the ankle, impaired proprioception, and perineal weakness. In treatment, this should be directed toward restoring perineal tendon strength, ankle motion, and proprioception with PT. Chronic recurrent lateral ankle instability is associated with chondral damage. Ankle arthroscopy showed moderate to severe cartilage damage in 41 patients. Retrospective study of 247 patients with ankle arthritis found 33 with ligamentous end-stage ankle OA. Other causes for ankle instability not demonstrated with stress radiographs include rotational instability of talus, subtalar instability, distal syndesmotic instability, and hind foot varus malalignment. So again, going to our algorithm here, we're going to talk about instability or if their main problem is pain. This is chronic ankle pain. So if it's instability, you are going to want to get stress views. If the stress tests are positive then you're going to probably need surgical reconstruction of lateral ligaments. If the stress tests are negative, you're going to want to do treatment of the functional instability with dedicated PT for proprioception, exercise, and perineal strengthening. Now, if your main problem is chronic ankle pain, then after x-rays, and as long as that looks fine, you're probably going to want to get MRI of the ankle. And that leads you down to separate paths. So if MRI is positive for... occult fracture or non-union, you're going to want to probably get a CT to delineate that fracture, and then treatment, depending on cast, surgery, or fragment incision. If that MRI is positive for a Taylor Dome Osteochondral Lesion or Osteochondral disicans, you're going to want to either cast, ankle, arthroscopy, or open treatment, but talk to ortho. If MRI is positive for a tendon tear, and you're gonna maybe consider surgery or treatment of that tear if it's partial or complete. And then if the MRI is negative, probably gonna want to try a diagnostic injection of local anesthetic and see if it's true joint pain or not. If that is negative, you're gonna want to treat symptoms. If the pain is relieved, diagnostic ankle arthroscopy for occult OCD or soft tissue impingement should then be performed. So, my guys are probably getting MRI. All right, so surgical treatment finally. Indications for surgery multiple episodes of mechanical instability, difficulty walking on uneven ground, play cutting sports, lack of confidence, etc. Demonstration of mechanical instability on stress rate of grass, failure of a full course of PT, emphasizing perineal strengthening and proprioception, failure of bracing. Most procedures are designed to tighten or reconstruct ATFL and CFL. Ankle reconstructive procedures are described either as anatomic or non-anatomic procedures. Anatomic reconstructions attempt to tighten the lateral ligaments or transfer tendons into the exact anatomic locations of the ATFL and CFL. Non-anatomic reconstructions use tendon transfers to act as a tenodesis on the lateral side of the ankle, though they do not attempt to place transfer tendons to the exact anatomic origins of the ATFL or CFL. Most surgeons agree anatomic reconstructions are preferable. With respect to study, comparing anatomic to non-anatomic ligament reconstruction shows superior results in the anatomic reconstruction group. The Brostrom procedure is an anatomic reconstruction in which the ATFL and CFL are divided and imbricated. Some authors advance the shortened ligaments into the distal fibula, and this is sometimes referred to or modified by advancing the extensor retinaculum Approximately to further tighten the lateral aspects of the ankle and subtalar joints. Tendon transfers most commonly use one half of peroneus brevis tendon, which is divided approximately about 15 centimeters proximal to its insertion in the base of the fifth metatarsal. The transferred perineus brevis tendon then passes through holes in the talar neck, distal fibula, and lateral calcaneus in order to reconstruct the lateral ligamentous structures. In lieu of drill holes, transferred tendon may be sutured directly to bone using suture anchors. And due to concern of potentially weakening ankle eversion strength following harvest, Coughlin et al. have successfully used gracilis autograft. Tendon allograft may also be used in lieu of autograft. Postoperatively, following lateral ankle ligamentous reconstructive procedures, most post-op regimens immobilize it in a cast for four weeks with an orthosis for another four weeks, PT started at six to eight weeks. Emphasis on perineal strengthening and proprioceptive training. Return to sports is about three months after surgery. That is the end of this wonderful chapter.